Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's episode is a spoiler-filled adventure into X-Men Days of Future Past. If you haven't seen the film, we're going to be spoiling it almost immediately. So uh, I would encourage you to check out the film, it's very much worth seeing. Uh, Lloyd, did you enjoy your screening of it? I absolutely loved it and I had a great audience as as well. I saw it at the uh, Extreme screen in um, Hoyts. Uh, Belconnen last night and it was fantastic the audience absolutely loved it what's great about this movie is its sense of humor and it's great to see Brian Singer back at the helm in full form it was a lot of fun wasn't it every now and then just throwing to jokes it was exactly what Superman needed Man of Steel (laughs) yeah I like Um, that comparison you did when we did the Wolverine review I, I remember not liking it and by the end of our podcast I was like yeah the movie actually wasn't too bad because the main emphasis you said is it had a great sense of humor it wasn't just so serious and morbid like I love serious and morbid but if you can put in a dash of humor just to lighten things up oh fantastic yeah you can't be morbid the entire time mm. I mean you've got to give audiences space to breathe I think well, this is 130 minutes, X-Men Days of Future Past, and I didn't feel like it was 130 minutes. There's, the action and everything was broken up for me enough that I really enjoyed the pacing of this movie as well. Absolutely. Now, I saw it opening day, as did you. Uh, 2.30 in the afternoon I saw it, and it was busy. Wow, I saw it at 9.30 at night, almost packed. Exactly. So this thing is going to make a ton of money. Everybody's <laughs> interested. I mean, look at the cast. You've got Academy Award nominees. You've got Academy Award winners. It is insane. And they're all elite, you know, they're not stars, they're actors. Like, there's, I think, four Shakespearean, maybe five Shakespearean actors in this as well. And all the room they're given. Like, I, that, what I really liked about First Class, which I finally saw a couple of weeks ago leading up to this podcast, although not directed by Brian Singer, the movie was the performance by the two leads, McAvoy, um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Fassbender, yep. give so much emotion and dimensions to the two roles, particularly particularly with that scene when Xavier's telling um, Magneto how to um, use his power and he's trying to move the satellite and the emotions that's poured into that scene from the two. It's not the special effects of the or, or the or their powers. It's the performance and emotion they pour into it. It's so... It, it puts X-Men on a different level and that's what was so great about the animated series. You had all these love triangles. You had people really caring for each other. And with the theme of X-Men, there's so many other dimensions that go into whether it be the sexuality element like homosexuals uh, you know outcast or taboo in society x-men can be, represent that whether it's racism um and you know magneto especially goes into that with his background in the nazi camp but uh, i love the whole world of x-men it and it's just great to see it get a real serious take by hollywood definitely um it, I should probably mention that we're probably also going to spoil events from the other X-Men films so if, <laughs> if people haven't seen them. Just because, I mean, this was uh, a kind of nod to the initial series. Um, right down to when the 20th Century Fox logo appears, the X lingered on the screen. Did yeah, you see that? Yeah. Which is exactly what happened in the first X-Men <laughs> film in 2000. I mean, this is 14 years between, you know... Uh, start to finish of these of these films and it, it's fantastic to see brian singer back at the helm of this series he's done a very good job with oh, this yeah. film um, i um i've spoken before on this film uh podcast about x-men days of future past um in december 2012 i uh, i was talking about it on episode 46 of uh, pod me if you can and in our own little future past throw uh we're just going to play a quick soundbite from that In 3, they kill off a lot of people, and um, one of them is Professor Xavier, obviously the leader of the X-Men, though there is a hint after the credits of um, him maybe being alive in another form. They also managed to kill off Cyclops and uh, Jean Grey, which these are all massive figures in the X-Men world. And so by throwing it back to like a prequel kind of series with James McAvoy as uh, Charles Xavier, what you get is this kind of really cool, um, you know, you get to bring back everybody in a way you get to see beast become beast and like magneto before he was magneto and charles xavier walking around before he's in a wheelchair um anyway so jennifer lawrence who plays mystique mystique's more of a goodie in this you know kind of thing like before she turns any kind of bad um 
it's really intriguing to me to see this early run of the X-Men. You can do whatever you want with them now. No characters are dead. And if you throw in this time travel element, they've actually done a big thing in uh, December 2012. What they did was they cast Patrick Stewart, is signed on to reprise cool. his role as Charles Xavier, and Ian McKellen has reprised his is reprising they were like the best two actors you could ever hope for for yes. those two roles but also young magneto young xavier are both in the same film so if there is an element of time travel i'm hoping they can throw it forward and somehow keep xavier alive and also maybe eliminate all the events from x-men the last it, like ignore it do what they yeah. did with um highlander 2 just ignore it <laughs> just cut, cut it out somehow you know yeah just stop those events so as you heard what I was talking about in that uh, <laughs> soundbite was basically that I was hoping, due to the time travel in this film, the events of X-Men 3, that the multiple <laughs> deaths that Brett Ratner put the X-Men through could somehow be erased and you would be able to follow the uh, present day, if you will, X-Men. <laughs> was there a, a nod series. to X-Men 3? Like, I think with the flashbacks with Jean Grey getting stabbed... They included yep. images. Oh, damn it. I thought they wouldn't use any images from that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing was, in in Wolverine, or the Wolverine, uh, Logan's... Jean Grey's in that as well. Uh, Logan's going through all of this, like, post-traumatic stress about having killed her, and he has the love of his life, like, lying in the bed with him and stuff like that. He's imagining her everywhere. He's not over her death. It's a very important thing that he does get over in this film, because she's no longer dead, which is a huge twist towards the end. Um, it's one I absolutely saw coming because I wanted it to happen. As you heard, since December 2012, I've wanted to... Uh, I feel like everything I wanted from this film uh, came back to me. You, you, know got I mean? it, uh, you got it in spades, mate. <laughs> it's, it, I think it's because it's for the fans. Yeah, Everybody's had the same level of kind of being pissed off about X-Men The Last Stand. And we've had time to enjoy this younger version of the cast, but then when you've injected this time travel element, you can course correct, and they've definitely demonstrated that here. Yeah. Um, look, jump into the beginning of the film. Uh, it's a Terminator future, basically, isn't it? The yeah. Sentinels Absolutely. are exactly the same as Terminators. <laughs> the machine um, that's killing them ha was very similar to the um, enemy in Thor 1, uh, I, oh, I do recall that. Yeah. yeah, it looked very similar. I don't know. It's the same Marvel, you know, company. I don't know if it's a nod to each other or something, but it was very interesting. Well, actually, <laughs> and this has been documented in lots of places. I won't go into it much, but Sony owns the right to X Men, and uh, there was a big dispute about whether or not Quicksilver could appear in this film oh, because I he's see. appearing in the Avengers too. So uh, there's like you won't see the crossover of Wolverine going into the Avengers. Mm. Because I guess Wolverine's an X-Men and X-Men are owned by Sony and Marvel slash Disney owns Avengers and uh, other franchises like Sony owns uh, Spider-Man, for example. Um, yep. Yeah, it's sort of split across the Marvel world right now. So um, this is its own thing. <laughs> Look, um, that opening sequence, like you're straight into the action right away. There's little explanation for the audience because I'm guessing that... Brian Singer's not saying the audience is stupid. No. They can figure it out. They've had You've four the X-Men movies, you know, to to really get into it. So, you know, he had a great pass here for that. Uh, I thought that opening rivaled X-Men 2 because I, I think X-Men 2 had the best opening of any action film, like, for a long time. It was fantastic. And I think he completely surpassed it with this. I was so impressed with the special effects and the action. It was really good. X-Men 2 with Nightcrawler infiltrating the... Mm -hmm. uh, the White House was yep. fantastic, yeah. no question. I mean, that's all that was missing from this film was an appearance by Nightcrawler, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Nightcrawler's awesome. The um, the beautiful thing that they did was they were able to kill the X-Men in that opening yeah. because they weren't really dying. But you don't know that yet, so there's all these stakes. You know, you see the head get ripped off oh. of Iceman, for example. Um, it was it was fantastic. It was... Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it, Lloyd. Yeah. I enjoyed it. The, the way that they were expendable, you know? Yeah. I love it how useless their powers were against these machines. Like, it was, you felt so sorry for the X-Men. And there was also a sense of, 
uh, I just hate bringing this up, but l- like the Nazis getting, uh, you know, um, exterminating uh, people, like it just had that sense of, wow, there is nothing these poor people can do against this tyrant force that's coming for them. And they fight so bravely, but, you know, it's just useless. It was really, really well done and terrifying as well. Look, that's a valid point because people have compared Peter Dinklage's character Oliver Trask to Hitler. Mm. And if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, would you? And, you know, uh, that's like intentional, I think, that you're supposed to draw yep. those Nazi type uh, conclusions. Um, the voiceover from Professor Xavier, and then we didn't need a lot of voiceover, so it's good we didn't get a lot. He, uh, he basically spells out the thesis of this film, which is Is the future truly set? And uh, by the end, obviously, it is not. Mm. Um, we're introduced to all these new characters, as well as many of the favourites. Did you know Bishop? Yes. From, uh, well, Bishop is comics? a huge favourite from the comics. He's the grunt. He's the guy who's always in the front line with Wolverine and Cable doing everything. He's an excellent... Like, he's a huge favourite of many X-Men fans because he's just such a... Uh, a, p- a poor guy that's out of his world you know he's from the future from this awful dystopian future sent to the past and you know he's just so morbid but he's always willing to take on the hardest jobs like he's always there he, like he's just this loyal soldier to xavier and it, it's just great although he doesn't get many lines and i'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure audiences who don't know x-men just coming to see an action film won't know who he is but uh, as a fan i'm just happy to see him in this movie Definitely, and I knew him as well. Obviously, the power he displays is he can absorb energy and then shoot it back. You it's know, it's a, a pity because it's so powerful in the comics, but in this movie, it's just like, oh, it's not that good, only because the Sentinels are so powerful. Yeah, well, they basically at one point fill him to capacity and then continue to fill him with energy to the point where he explodes. Yeah. Um, the, the trick was the Sentinels in this film, they've adapted to the point where they can handle any power handle yeah Yeah. exactly um and it's yeah it's fascinating i did think they looked a little bit cgi a little bit um and you can't do it with puppets or anything there's no other way to do it but Mm. um it it was noticeably cgi in some parts you know (laughs) it's took me out of it just slightly yeah very small um bits though Uh, mystique they quickly let us know Mystique killed Trask in 1973. Her DNA helped create the Sentinels, and that's why they're so powerful. Mm. And um, you really recognize Mystique's power as well. Like, although I was just like, oh, that's easy, just go back and stop her. But because of her shape shifting abilities, it's really impossible to track her. Like, she's so. You realize, wow, Mystique is a really powerful mutant, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I, I couldn't remember if she had all this kung fu ability. You know, there's bits where she speaks uh, Vietnamese, she speaks French, but she also, like, has kung fu powers. She's like a super spy. Um, And I couldn't recall if she ever did this kind of kung fu and stuff in the the comics because, you know, um, I did feel like someone should have just shot her at certain points. Um, But it's sort of believable that she would train and and everything between the two films. Several years have passed, you know, between... um, x-men first class and uh this one uh, i think uh it's so great seeing hugh jackman I, I i just think he's the best wolverine you can get other than a younger clint eastwood and i th- i think he's fantastic in this that opening where you see him in the bed you know when he's finally flashback in time and the music's playing i i, I was and you see him naked the whole audience and my cinema was laughing the moment you saw his butt <laughs> Um, what a childish response (laughs) (laughs) and then those three goons come in and i was shocked at how although you had a very violent opening with the mutants some dying there was another layer because it had a sense of realism it was just three goons coming to hurt wolverine and he kills them all with his um with his claws you know it was so violent i was like wow okay he's just gonna kill them outright (laughs) yeah um you want to see wolverine be primal and animalistic though so yeah, um, and they're they're all expendable, really. Yeah. This is random henchmen who got lines. Um, I did think that sequence in Saigon with the the, the soldiers was odd. Um, Mystique goes in uh, disguised as a soldier and rescues um, 
a guy with uh, nuclear tattoos who is credited as Ink. Yep, and then um, there's ha- Toad, there's Havoc. And Havoc. Yeah. And then there's that spiky-haired guy who I, I assume is a young version of, I don't know, uh, well, a different nationality to the spiky guy in the X-Men The Last Stand. Anyway, yep. um, look, they never really come back. We, we do see a flash of Toad and other people watching Magneto's... Um, delivering his speech to the television later but that whole sequence was a bit of a nod to fans um yeah and and whenever mystique changes uh it's always very dramatic and obviously it's cinematic it's iconic it's you want to see these kind of visuals in your x-men film but the bit where she is impersonating oliver trask later and she goes upstairs and changes on the staircase yeah and then the only reason it's tense when she goes and finds the files and finds out her friends from the first film were all killed. Um, the only reason it's tense is because she changed her appearance at all. Yeah. I'm not sure why she would have. Yeah, I know. Moment. I was just like, why did you change back to Mystique? Just stay as... <laughs> then you could stay in there all night. <laughs> as soon as it happened, I was thinking... Like, I, I did assume it was her, but I thought a little glint of the eye being yellow would have been enough. Yeah. And then you would have still had Peter Dinklage doing the, the performance. Oh, I see, yeah. It was obviously put in there to tell audiences, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or we'll have that we... liquid metal ripple. You know how liquid metal ripples slightly like he's, you know, um, you know the, the, the actor and then that ripple of silver just going through him? Like that ripple of blue would have been pretty cool. That Yeah, that would have been good as well. I just think there would have been other ways to do it. But, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is Academy Award-winning actress. You want to she's put like her biggest... as much as possible, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't underuse her. That sequence where she's the bum and then she pulls Magneto aside, yeah. that sequence wasn't exactly necessary either. But, um, again, you, you want to have those two get scenes together. Michael Fassbender's amazing in this as well. Oh, so. yeah. He, he's on a yeah. different level, isn't he? <laughs> no, I thought he was really good. Yeah. Like um, Shakespearean, like you yeah. said. He, uh, he gives such depth to um, Eric. I, I thought Magneto. Magneto's change really um, ticked me off, like how fast he was like, oh, I'm going to kill Jennifer Lawrence after he said, no, I won't do it. But then you really think about it. Yeah, if they just killed Mystique, they won't have any of these issues. Like I can see it from his point of view, but he was just so mean in this film. Like he is a pure villain, isn't he? Absolutely. Um but as soon as he found out Xavier was powerless, yeah, he had the upper hand yeah, again. He was right. just biding his time. I, I thought yeah. the um, person that stole the show was Quicksilver, um, oh. uh, Magneto's son. Yeah, <laughs> Let's talk about it. He the, is amazing. Um, the kid who played him, I like him. He's really good. This is where the majority of the fun and the laughs come yeah. from because of how quick he is. And during that fantastic song, Time in a Bottle, <laughs> which came out in 1973, um, when they're doing the prison break, he's moving so fast, but to enjoy the slow-mo with him and hold that moment in time and just moving bullets, yep. um, getting them to all punch each other, <laughs> you know, knock each other out, him tasting the soup, putting on the hat. It's all, you know, it's what everyone would do if you could do what he does, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's enjoying the power oh, and celebrating it. He had so many great lines, you know. It was just, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, the the whiplash stuff. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> and Magneto's sick. He's just like, oh, don't, don't worry, everyone gets it. You'll be right. <laughs> the uh, the the origin that he's uh, Magneto's son was supposed to be only for the fans. They weren't really, mm. you know, no, that wasn't a focal point it. at all. He said, uh, "My mum once knew a guy who could do that." Yeah. So, that's the nod to it and there's know, a it's... slight look um between them like it's just like uh you know they're they're thinking of something oh you're and then they just forget about it and move on <laughs> yeah um the other thing too with him under the, the hundred floors beneath the pentagon with magneto there uh the fact that he killed jfk according to them mm-hmm. they, they set up in advance the marketing for this film they set up uh, the bent bullet website did you see that no. and viral videos Nope. They um they were implying Magneto was had killed JFK with like conspiracy documentaries beforehand, hmm. um and it was just really good marketing because you knew all that if you if you wanted to find it you could, and then you could sort of you got all these extra hints about what this film was going to be, and as well keeping him in that plastic concrete prison whatever um it was another nod to 
the first set of films, you know. That's the only way to stop Magneto, it seems, you know. Uh, uh, look, they kept nodding to other films so much that any fan would be enjoying it. Even as brief as when um, Wolverine has to go and find Charles Xavier, come find me. You know, that's the classic Marty McFly, Doc, uh, you know, uh, Desmond Faraday even from Lost, where um, Desmond's consciousness tra travels back and he has to come find Daniel Faraday and if I don't believe you, tell me about Eloise the only person who'll remember it is him kind of thing uh and the nod sorry where xavier recognizes him and says oh we came to you for help and i'm going to tell you the same thing that you told me you know which was wolverine's only line in x-men first class which was fuck off <laughs> you know even those little nods some of them were obvious like uh the flashbacks that were very in your face in the credits the clips from all films were uh, were quoted uh the clips courtesy of 20th century fox it was like x-men 1 2 x-men the last stand at wolverine um you know x-men origins wolverine and x-men first class every single one something was shown from it yep. in this film um it's it's so nice to sort of if you're a fan of this series and i am obviously i'm speaking of it very highly but it's so nice as a fan to then uh, make this kind of fan film, you know? Um, it, I don't know it sounds you... like it hit all the right buttons for you. It did. I suppose um, I was most satisfied with the ending as well. It's, yeah, look, I, I pretty much loved it. Um, there's minor things I'll mention during this podcast that, that irked me, if you will. Yeah, sure. But it's also forgivable, you know? Um, do you reckon so, this is so, the best one out of all of them you've seen? I think so, but just because... Uh, well, two is really good. Yeah, I two mean, is awesome. If it's not this one, it's two. What I really me. like is the casting, how they got back most, if not all, of the X-Men um, originals. Like, even in the last scene in the uh, mansion where Wolverine walks around, you see all the original actors like there, like yep. Jean and everything. That was fantastic. Well, I mean, I feel like... If you didn't get them back, they just weren't going to feature in that scene. Uh, and if you're an actor who, who's douchey, no, I, I don't want to put down um, uh, Marty McFly's father, you know, uh, Crispin Glover, but, you know, like, and they worked around that pretty well in uh, Back to the Future too. But if you don't come back, it's just like, oh, come on. It's a great franchise. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Look, they ticked a lot of time travel boxes here. One of them, I thought, was um, when you said Hugh Jackman comes back, you see Hugh Jackman's butt, the lava lamp, it instantly tells you he's in the 70s. <laughs> um, there's that scene where he says, give me the keys and your money. It's very Terminator style, isn't it? Yeah. Like, Wolverine is acting as the, the Terminator role here. Um, and, you know, look. Imagine <laughs> when if he you walks were made out, out of metal. <laughs> yeah. When he walks out on the street, too, there was like Anchorman-esque music, you know, just... <laughs> <laughs> It sort of was, wasn't was so in your face that you were hit over the head with it and didn't like it. The audience could just enjoy it for it being there, I guess. Mm. Oh, dear. I like the seat of the uh, plane when Magneto's uh, really angry and he's moving the plane, like compressing and everything like that, moving things around. Then after his little spill, Wolverine goes, you're going to pick all this shit up? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah. And look when um he's talking to xavier and uh he says she left because you got inside her head and then magneto counters and he says that's not my power yeah you know like he yeah the chess piece moving as well was just like at the end of x-men the last stand when magneto has his powers back you mm -hmm. know after credits sequence you know it was it was really enjoyable i just yeah 130 minutes flew by for me yeah the um i've written down on my notes here about the quicksilver scene wow quicksilver is a star that's all i've written <laughs> because i was just watching it with my you know mouth on just a jar just enjoying it yeah. it's visually stunning <laughs> as i was watching magneto and i knew we had that sequence coming up with the um uh stadium being moved i did think about there's a, a comic series and cartoon series about asteroid m did you ever see that no i feel like you could do a magneto spin-off movie asteroid m was uh Basically, Magneto flies up uh, and sets up 
a place for all the mutants to live on an asteroid that's uh, rotating around the Earth. Yep. And um, he just kind of builds his own, like, utopia and paradise called Asteroid M or Asteroid Magneto. And uh, all the mutants are welcome to come up there. So he brings the whole asteroid down and he's like, uh, you know, anyone who wants to come with me, this is where we're going to go because basically you can't live together kind of thing mm-hmm. with humans and mutants. But then, uh, of course, paradise turns ugly when, you know, everybody up there has mutant powers and everybody is kind of turning on each other. And eventually someone turns on Magneto. And there's this great kind of, he realizes, uh, he realizes some things during it. I won't get too spoilery, but there's a great thing where they throw Magneto out of the asteroid and he sort of falls down towards Earth and the Earth's magnetic field heals him and makes him really powerful, you know? And he realizes that uh, the asteroid and all the mutants, like the Utopia, won't work and uh, brings it back down kind of thing. But it's this really interesting kind of sequence, uh, sorry, series. And um, I could totally imagine them doing a spin-off of that for um, like a Magneto standalone movie. Do you think this is the last time we'll see Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in, um, as the, you know, Magneto and Xavier in X-Men? I do. I, I do. It's... Um, I think it's how they'd like to go out, yeah, really. I think it's a fantastic way to go out, and the two leads who's replacing them are excellent. Yeah, it's like a passing of the torch sharing screen time like this. Um, you know, it, yeah, we're not going to have the same with Wolverine. I'm I don't so know. glad they didn't make James McAvoy, and this is credit to First Class with going bold. You know, it's just such a typical Hollywood thing to do to remind the audience, oh, he's bald, so he has to be Patrick Stewart. You know, of course he's got hair. His baldness could have came in heaps later, come in heaps later, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's 40 years later or whatever, so even more. I can't exactly pin it. Um, it, There's a sequence where Trask comes into the boardroom to show his Sentinel plans. And uh, when he does that, it seems like a kind of a boring sequence to start with. <laughs> He's just projecting these images and plans and saying, you know, this is what you should do. Then his thing beeps and he realizes there's a mutant in the room. There's it's so much tension, yeah. Oh, it turns into such a fantastic scene. And especially because Magneto opens fire on Mystique. She has to jump out the window. He fires the gun without holding it, which is always cool. And I like Everything the actor Mag- they got to play Stryker. Like he oh, yeah. Yeah, just had that intensity. And I liked when... Um, the doctor asked him about his son. How old's your son? Um, it's pretty interesting as well. Uh, the, there was good dynamics. And as you said, great nods to the predecessors. Definitely. Definitely. And to have as well it in the 70s, Brian Singer did really well using all that kind of 16mm cameras, all the like uh, shots from the time, you know. Mm. It all sort of reminiscent of the JFK assassination mo- uh, video. And... Um, when Mystique comes out the window and, and the cameras are rolling on her and she's limping because the bullet Magneto fires after her, bends, and the shots of Beast, even when he's sort of crucified in that fountain, you know, everything about it was creating this uh, the us and them, you know. Yeah. Um, they they didn't understand at all in 1973 in this about mutants and uh, they weren't a threat yet. Trask was saying, you know, everyone's underestimating their power, but... The, the reality was, like, they were in plain sight. Like, they're right there in front of all these press and everything, and it becomes an issue right then and there kind of thing. It's, it's really interesting because knowing Mystique is going to kill Trask, you know, adds so much more weight to her character in this film as well. The, the flashes uh, of Xavier, you know, he stops taking the serum that he and Beast are taking, so that he can get his powers back, he can use Cerebro, and when he uh, goes into Wolverine's mind to have that sequence with Patrick Stewart, and Patrick Stewart asks him to hope again, I thought that was hugely emotional. I thought it was really well done. And Wolverine's really pouring his heart out, telling him, you know, I I was really lost before and you really were an important part of my life. Like, you really put me back together. And you're right, I'm not the person to do it you are sort of thing. That was great. Definitely. And, you know, Wolverine, the only reason he was sent, as we know, was because of his healing ability and that he could survive the trip. Um, uh, Professor Xavier even said at one point in that speech, 
if you let the pain in, it will make you more powerful than you can imagine. And that's a real Obi-Wan thing to say. Yeah. There's so many nods to other films and stuff here. I mean, it- <laughs> Well, uh, Brian Singer is actually a huge, huge Star Trek fan. And there was a great little sequence where he's... Uh, and there's a great line in it as well where Beast shows him he's been taping all three channels. He's like, wow, yeah. all three, you know, on loop. And Star Trek's in the background. Of course, Brian Singer had to get his nod to the original. <laughs> and, of course, Patrick Stewart being Picard in Star Trek as well. Mm. It's It's all in there. Magneto weaves metal into the Sentinels, as you know, so he can use them for himself. That it's, was an um, awesome sequence. Yeah, it was. Ripping up what the a, train what tracks. What a great out. idea to turn the weapons against the humans so they never use it. Like, uh, I'm, I'm sort of behind Magneto in the sense. It's like, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. When, they see the, when the people see how dangerous they are to themselves, they'll can that whole program and it'll never exist. It's a brilliant idea. I mean, no one's thinking about the next train that goes down those tracks and derails <laughs> and killing everybody, but... Where did all these yeah, worlds it, go? <laughs> yeah. Well, they wouldn't even notice it was dark, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was interesting seeing Nixon portrayed as well. I yeah. thought that actor did, did a decent enough job, you know, getting the voice down and stuff like that. It was it was all right, you yeah, know. Yeah, it was um, all right, yeah. It was, you know, acceptable. <laughs> um as well like uh what have i got here xavier is like a junkie great character growth rejecting the serum that's another element they can put in x-men um which is a you know relates to many other things in reality and yeah absolutely that's one of them the drug habit and the need for it and you know coming off it and getting your head straightened together you know you know that's much more practical i guess yeah absolutely and uh the other thing worth mentioning too is just in that sequence with Logan, again, kind of really validated the fact that other people were going to be alive by the end of this film. Mm. When he says, promise me, you'll find us, you know, you'll guide us, yeah. lead us, create the X-Men, basically. And remember When he promises names. that. Yeah. Yeah, remember the names, exactly. Um, yeah, look, just you knew by the end of this film, things were going to be okay. You know, whether somebody had to sacrifice themselves to make it happen, you sort of knew. I like the um, some of the X Men that we saw. The um, I particularly re- uh, she's also very good looking, but the girl who created portals, Blink, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Like that was fantastic. Oh, it was well done, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was like a equivalent of Nightcrawler. Like that effect it has on you. You're like wow, that's that's amazing. I didn't know what um, the Indian um, what his special abilities were, other than to sense enemies coming from afar. Like, yeah. he just had a knife? I was like, oh. I think it might be strength, but oh, okay, yeah. I'm not 100% sure. Warpath was his name. He's got heart um, from Captain Planet. Just like, well, what's the point in that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't have much going on because he got blasted in the face by those Sentinels. Oh, poor guy. In, like, a pretty horrific way. It seemed like it was melting his face mm. off, so. There was another bit I loved, a Star Wars nod, Lloyd, when uh, they go to the Stars and Stripes introduction of the Sentinels. Uh, Logan goes through the metal detector, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also the the guard asks, you know, for invitations. And he basically says, without saying it, you, you don't need to see our invitations. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he mind tricks them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, Magneto had that scene where he literally had balls uh, <laughs> walking in to get his iconic helmet as well. And so many shots, like I said, were so iconic where... You could see them being somebody's wallpaper or screensaver, you know, and I, I thought it was all very well thought out and just yeah. There's great respect uh, to the comics as well. Like when Wolverine tries desperately to charge at Magneto, and I, I don't think I think he knows deep down he doesn't have a chance, but he's going to go at him headstrong no matter what. And those uh, rails just dig into him, twisting the body, and then eventually just throws him into the ocean to drown him. Amazing. Uh, I didn't understand the reference though. Why? S- mystique would be striker and turn wolverine into adamantium i i don't get that i think that she was making sure he didn't get taken by striker by posing as striker so the impression i got was though he never drew his claws in the future at the end of it he would have had bone claws oh i see so he never had the adamantium yeah so he never got the adamantium 
uh, injected because one of the things Xavier saw when he looked into Wolverine's mind was the injection of all the metal and the pain he went through and killing of Jean Grey and all those sort of one-off moments. So that those are the things he would be trying to make sure didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So in theory, if Wolverine stayed with uh, Xavier and sort of from 1973 on kind of thing, um, he never gets injected with metal and he never loses his memory and he knows who he is the whole time. Do you think there'll be... Uh, like, did you stay to the end of the credits? I did, did you? No, I, I left, like, we stayed, we are hoping, like, until the lights went up, and the lights went up and the credits were still going, I'm like, ah. <laughs> well, you missed, uh, you missed a mutant standing, it was probably Young Apocalypse. Um, <gasps> no! A mutant standing there, uh, basically building, is it the Lazarus Pit? His um, place so, where yeah. he goes to regenerate every thousand yeah. years, hundred years, whatever it is. I think he was building that. It was basically a bunch of people chanting while he oh, so used his mutant well ability. In the past, he was a like ages, thousands of years ago, and he's like a god. Yeah, yeah. seemingly building the pyramids. That's awesome! Damn it, I wish yeah. I stayed because I think Age of Apocalypse, and you've read this too, Dave. I think that's one of the best comics I've ever read. And if they go in that direction, making a trilogy um, of that, oh my gosh (laughs) yeah well i'm hoping they don't just flat out make apocalypse the enemy and just have it set in 1980 or whatever um i'm hoping that it is more for the comic book fans like age of apocalypse like you said that'd be a great thing to see just to jump back to days of future past um i don't know if you noticed in the stadium there was like an ad for mountain dew and an ad for pepsi oh i didn't notice (laughs) they were like seconds apart and i thought (laughs) That's really strange, but then I remembered they're basically from the same company. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, that's probably fine. Um, <laughs> we got to see uh, that whole Magneto-Wolverine sequence you were mentioning, the, the wrapped-in metal stuff. It is a nod to, in the comics, oh, okay. Magne- Magneto rips... Well, he's constantly controlling uh, Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine's first so X-Men underpowered film, against him, yeah. In the first X-Men film, he stops him in midair and, you know, floats Wolverine because he can control all the metal in his body. Um, But in the comics, he's doing that, and he is really mad, and he rips the metal from Wolverine's bones in an incredibly painful way. And uh, he gets bone claws for a while in the comics as well. It's actually the start of an Onslaught series for, for comic book fans that I think is also a really good source material for a future film. You gotta love um, it. You gotta love it. There's so much material out there, and the movies are just getting really, really good. We're so spoiled. Like you remember in the '90s, how we could count on our fingers how many blockbusters there are, like Independence Day, Godzilla, Jurassic Park. Now there's like you know ten a month. <laughs> that's it. And this is, I mean, we had Godzilla last week. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, a matter of time. Did We're you so spoiled. <laughs> They've set a name for uh, the new Batman Superman. Yeah, I saw Dawn that. Dawn of Justice. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole... There's two sides to this, DC and Marvel, you know, so we're going to get a whole bunch from... I mean, look, $250 million is the budget of X-Men Days of Future Past. I think we're going to see close to a billion. $900 million. What do you reckon? Possibly. Uh, movies make a... Uh, 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 uh ungodly amount of money now what's going to be a worry is when the physical media goes out like blu-rays and dvds um they really got to get a crack on how they can sell it online or whatever i think they'd make more money if they made it more readable online i think itunes has a great thing going there but they need something better more universal um so it's going to be interesting like Brian Singer actually just came off Jack and the Beanstalk or something like that and that movie lost so much money for um uh f- for legendary pictures that was uh producing it and that really hinted well if that if um studios make three or four like say there's three X-Men movies and they all bomb they all cost 250 to 300 million that's the end of a studio that there's no coming back from that so luckily like these spider-mans these um uh, captain america's these avengers are really good and they're making a lot of money 
but I don't know. It's so easy to get, um, as we saw with X-Men 3, a bad director at the helm. And, you know, to get that a couple of times, like finding the Brian Singers, finding the other great directors um, is going to be, you know, it's a real challenge. It's not easy. I'm just amazed a great movie is made, like, consistently at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I can completely see what you're saying. Um, Jack and the Giant a- Slayer, that's the name, sorry. <laughs> right. Um, it does take, uh, in this case, it was Brett Ratner who really killed the franchise in mm-hmm. a way because i'm sure they would have wanted to continue the x-men series well like uh, um, do you remember gold the golden compass uh with i never saw it but I, I do know Kidman, the film. and yeah like uh th- that was supposed to be a trilogy and they wanted like a lord of the rings thing behind it and they put so much money into it they got all these big stars to be in it and it was terrible it was absolutely garbage and um you know they lost a lot of money like that so uh, that's the only thing I- i'm worried about like yeah it's th- movies can be too big to fail they can market it but there's only so much you can do if the movie's terrible but you know movies like transformers which I-, I haven't seen past the first one so this is very unfair of me to say it but i think from what i hear they're very subpar movies yet they're marketed so well and they've sort of got such a great uh franchise that's already established with the original cartoon series it's just hard to fail like people will at least watch it you know what i mean they put so much into the film like it's probably worth it's like a roller coaster ride oh yeah i'll go check it out you know i yeah and it's an action film so you know transformers has the advantage of just being uh you know shoot them up smash them you know big action cgi so i wish i stayed to the end of the credits dave apocalypse <laughs> is my favorite character <laughs> my favorite villain i should say it was such a brief little scene um yeah i've described everything that happened nothing nothing else <laughs> happened so i enjoyed the movie uh, i've got to buy this a blu-ray that's so good <laughs> yeah i think this is going to come with a ton of special features there's a whole sequence with rogue in the future where they rescue her Iceman, and that rescue her which was cut from the film for pacing but it yeah. just sort of it says volumes about the fact they had to cut that to keep it sort of a tighter film at 130 minutes i don't know how much more we've missed mm. um the rift at the end of this film for magneto and xavier is huge They've obviously, there's betrayal, he tried to kill Mystique, um, and then he flies away saying goodbye old friend to uh, Professor Xavier. The only way Professor Xavier finally convinces Mystique not to kill Trask is by letting her decide for herself. Yeah. Wasn't that beautiful, the tension, the fate, the juxtaposition between the future, how they were about to get destroyed by the Sentinels and her? like that one moment has so much effect on so many lives and the decisions we make really dictate a lot of directions where we go it was beautiful there was so much implication there absolutely and when i know they were killing all the x-men in the future sequences but storm was basically killed in the trailer if you've seen the trailer no, I, i'm so lucky i didn't see any of it yeah, it I showed Halle, Halle Berry. Berry. <laughs> it showed Halle Berry looking, and then a shot of a sentinel that was about to kill her, basically. Right. So that that we knew that was coming if, if eagle-eyed viewers had seen the trailer. Look, the um, the very ending, um, post-drowning, Wolverine's consciousness, I guess, goes to the point where, like, returns to the point where it was sent initially. Mm. That's kind of how I, in the time travel sense, I'm justifying it. Because uh, Shadow Cat, Kitty Pride, uh, Ellen Page, if you will, um, was in that, let's say t- 2023, I think it is, was sending his mind back to 20, uh, sorry, 1973. The, then his mind still had to return to 2023. That's kind of how I'm seeing it. I don't know if it is 2023, but that's why when he wakes up at that point. It is that point, yeah. It's his consciousness returning to his body, so he's lived how many years in between, um, you know, before becoming a history teacher, which is what he is. (laughs) And and the only other person who remembers this, of course, is Professor Xavier. Um, The whole other timeline, the events of X-Men 3, The Last Stand seem to have been erased. Obviously, Phoenix, Jean Grey is still alive. She never became Phoenix. Uh, Scott Summers, Cyclops, was never killed. It's the ending fans want, basically. Um, Kelsey Grammer appears as Beast, 
Anna Paquin as Rogue. Everybody seems happy, yeah. you know? The school for gifted youngsters is um, blossoming. Uh, Ellen Page and Colossus are teaching a class together, you know? I think, though, I'm not sure Rogue was holding hands with Iceman, and yeah. I don't know if she was wearing gloves. Yeah, I, she'd have to be wearing gloves unless they've managed to fix Well, that. they've got that serum, mm. you know, maybe they've found a way to her to control her power more. Maybe, you know, I, I couldn't be sure. There's no Calypso um, with b- the beautiful Dunya Ramirez. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, do you know who I think was missing from this sequence? The one thing I might have changed, even it would have been quite a twist on a twist, you know, because this whole after sequence, this dream, like, that he's waking from... What I wanted to see would have been either Mystique or Magneto in the school for gifted youngsters. Now, the way that it was left with Magneto, that's fine. It's probably not going to be him because he says, goodbye, old friend, flies away from Xavier. You can't put those two together as friends in the future. Mm -hmm. But Rebecca Romaine could have reprised her role as adult Mystique as a surprise cameo, and she could have been there by Xavier's side when he goes into the room and that would have been a surprise to Wolverine and the audience and basically said that she went down a different path than she did in the original series of films. She didn't side with Magneto, she sided with Xavier and therefore, you know, became good, if you kind of yeah. can just say it that way. <laughs> um, so I would have loved to have seen a Rebecca Romain cameo of Mystique at the end of this film. Even if you'd sort of said she was with Xavier, like implied that they got together or something. Um, But the thing about that is, I suppose, they're kind of a brother-sister situation. So, you know, people find that weird if if you had them sort of kiss at the end and stuff. It's a very Luke and Leia kind of of thing. But that's what was missing because then you're saying all the things that happen now to Jennifer Lawrence in the movies, you know, if you stay in that sort of past timeline, which they're going to... Everything that happens with Jennifer Lawrence, she's going to still end up being good, Mm. I guess. You know, you sort of paint that character a little bit differently. You sort of say that there's more good in her than than evil, even if she sort of flickers back and forth. I would have changed that. Absolutely. That's just me. Yeah. As well, obviously, we've talked about this already, but questioning whether or not Wolverine has bone claws now, I, I would have liked to have had an answer to that. I guess we will see if Wolverine is in any more movies, whether or not that's the case. Um, and Are they going to make the more pu- Wolverine movies? Do you know that? or no? he's, he's, he's not signed on for any, but oh. I think if the script was right, he would do another one. You know, he's going to age. He's going to have to pass the torch. Somebody else is going to have to do it. The, um, there's no real explanation. The other thing I want to pick at as to why Patrick Stewart is still alive, because he died in um, X-Men The Last Stand as well. Good job, Brett Ratner. <laughs> and... And uh, at the very end, after the credits in that scene, in that film, sorry, uh, Moira McTaggart uh, sort of looking at this uh, comatose body and she thinks it's Charles and she says Charles, like as if his consciousness is still in there or something. And uh, there's, they never really quite explained how he was still alive and it might have been a good thing to do. Sure. Also, it, it makes the scene at the end of The Wolverine not make sense. Because at the end of the Wolverine, Lloyd, I don't know if you stayed till the credits. I can't recall. Uh, at the end of the Wolverine, the one is it the Wolverine where he's in Japan. Yeah, yeah and I've, at I, the end, yeah, I stayed that. Magneto one. and Xavier come to him and basically say, "We both need you to come with us." Yeah, and it's alluding to the new X Men, but it's a standalone scene that does not fit in this movie at all. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Because they have the idea to send someone back way later in the in the dystopian future. You know, it's not as if they went and found him and recruited him because they knew they were going to do this. It didn't quite make sense. Somebody went um to Brett Rat- uh, Brian Singh and he was looking at us and going, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because if you don't think about it, like, it happened a year ago in film time, you know, so you're not... It's just a teaser trailer, sure. basically. Yeah. You, you can almost sort of forget about it. You, you know, you won't remember that moment 
watching this film, I guess. The only thing I don't like about um, Days of Future Past was the marketing, the posters, I thought were really badly designed. There was a whole thing on um, Reddit and somebody posted a picture, a poster of it. I think it was in Europe and it just had Xavier on the chair, um, uh, Patrick Stewart, and the chair was like a rocket ship and it looked so bad. It just looked so out of place and it just had no creativity put to it. I don't mind the poster that i'm looking at right now where it's um a patrick stewart and it's got an x and the in that x is a is um the face of the younger yeah of the younger but i i would prefer for a movie this epic to have something like star wars like like you know how star wars just has those beautiful epic posters with um you know faded um uh, darth vader in the background or the emperor and the the central love thing just something like that to show the epicness of this movie because i thought it, it just this movie was so grand it just summed up this beautiful franchise so well and when i say this beautiful franchise x-men one two first class and of course days of future past <laughs> Agreed. And uh, there is one with a group of everybody sort of on it. Um, it's a pretty poor poster, though. It just sort of says, look how many people are in this movie. It, it doesn't really tell you anything. I like the simplicity of the uh, old Xavier, young Xavier with the cross of the X. I like. Sure, um, yeah. I would have liked to have seen just Sentinel, uh, Sentinel face with like a hand blasting towards the. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Or, or a whole bunch of them flying in the distance, like coming towards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or even uh, like you could sort of do like a usual suspect silhouette kind of thing, where you've got like the silhouettes of recognizable mutants. You said you the saw foreground. the trailer. Was the trailer any good? Like, was it really? Did it get you excited? It was. It was quite spoilery. Oh, I, I, see. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just that. Uh, well, there's, there was still quite a bit that wasn't in the trailer, but it was it was not a teaser. I would have enjoyed more of a Godzilla-style teaser marketing oh, yeah. campaign, I think. Well, do you, are you referring to the Godzilla 998 version? <laughs> well, as well as... There was a couple of uh, oh, yeah. teaser trailers for the Yeah, you're absolutely right. Godzilla. The 2014 um, trailer was beautiful for Godzilla. <laughs> I'm so blown away, Dave. What a movie. I just love seeing such a great movie. The feeling you get afterwards, it's awesome. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I, I I probably could have... The thing was, I came home, my wife Tess, she did not care at all. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, she's not a big fan of the X-Men series, and I started trying to talk to her about it, and uh, she was like, yeah, no, look, if it was good, that's, that's great, but, I, you know... She didn't care. So I had to wait to get on this podcast with you, Lloyd, and uh, and vent it all out. It's so weird. uh, It just has so many elements to appeal to girls as well, I find. Like, the the women are really strong in these. Like, they're strong female roles um, in in all of these. Like, Mystique was going to change the course of humanity, you know, like, or of mutant kind, sorry. You know, it it just has so many elements to appeal to so many different people. And as we said before, like, uh, it has all those themes, whether it's sexuality, whether it's race, whether, you know, all those things in the movie. It's it's a great franchise. It's got layers, Lloyd. Yeah. And the thing is, as well, I feel like I like it because I grew up with it as well. This is my Ninja Turtles, if you will. Um, <laughs> though I saw Ninja Turtles, this was what I was. W- when you into. say you grew up with the cartoon or the comic books, or the both? cartoons, I had a lot of comic books as well. Yeah, but, um, same. Yeah, there was a point where I, I guess I stopped buying comic books. And, and what and a great cartoon series that was, by the way. <laughs> definitely, and yeah, it stood up with multiple viewings. So this is a nice kind of tribute to um, the original X Men films. The the fans, I think. I think most people enjoy this. It's, yeah. it's the kids who are growing up with this series and most movies nowadays. I think they're very lucky, very spoiled kids. <laughs> it's it's ranking really highly on IMDb at the moment. I mean, we're looking at this on the second day and it's nine point one. So, yeah. you know, it's um, I think I, I have hope for Apocalypse, but I think this is setting the bar really high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If I, there is an apocalypse, I'd love to see Brian Singer return. It's a big ask because this is three movies and it's probably taken a decade of his life, like all up. Um, the X-Men 1, 2, First Class, which he produced, and of course this one. It, it'll be a big ask for him to do another bunch. Like, I don't think you could tell Age of Apocalypse or, or an apocalypse story in one movie. I think you'd have to do it at least two movies, like a Kill Bill or maybe three. 
um and I, yeah. I would love to see him return to the helm because he owns this he's just done it's he's just done the beautiful thing to this whole franchise well uh, i thought i would put in a prediction lloyd yeah um obviously you I predicted was, well in the last one <laughs> well i was happy to, happy to be right about that um i think that we're gonna see uh well spider-man um he's gonna be in sinister six uh it will be his enemies in the next film that's already been sort of decided after that film i think we're going to see spider-man not join the x-men but join them for a film um you know feature in uh the x-men movie after apocalypse i think uh we're going to see like more crossover stuff happening I think after Apocalypse, which will be the 80s, I think they're going to move into the 90s kind of thing and they can introduce a more modern character like Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, and even if he's sort of a young Spider-Man, that's sort of okay too. But I I do think Andrew Garfield will continue to play the role. I think we're going to see more and more crossovers. I think uh, I'd love to see the Hulk run wild and just you know <laughs> lose his bruce banner element and just be the hulk and just go nuts and they have to try and stop him and he's unstoppable is it the same you know? are all the worlds the same in um the comic books or is x-men and spider-man all that completely separate no no they've had crossovers okay, um sure. yeah there's a a comic book where um x-man do you know x-man the son of uh gene and scott from another dimension another timeline Cable. Not Cable, X-Man. Oh, no. Um, X-Man is so powerful. He's got one glowing eye. He's so powerful that he just sort of hops over to this time, this dimension from his own, uh, you know, with his own sort of will. There's an episode where he visits uh, Spider-Man at Christmas time kind of thing. You know, it's like they all exist in the same universe. Sure. Um, the Marvel characters. And that look, crossovers are not new they're being done in comics all the time but i think it's time to see them in film yeah i think um yeah i i I think it's time and and though they're teaming up the avengers they're teaming up the justice league in dc i'd like to see you know punisher versus wolverine which was a series i'd like to see hulk versus wolverine which is a series i would like to see uh you know two loved characters going head to head Mm. that's what i'd like to see coming up that being said, apparently they have plans uh, for the Marvel Universe at least till like 2019. Yeah, I heard and about that, a running story. That's insane that, you know, so far in the future. And look, Gambit's getting his own movie, Channing Tatum uh, playing Gambit. You know, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon, a lot of stuff to choose from. And I'm sure we're going to try and cover some of it on this podcast. It must Lloyd. be so mind-blowing for a comic book fan. You know, there was so... Um, such a subculture in the 80s and even the 90s um, for a little bit 70s 80s and 90s and now it's just so mainstream like they must be so happy crying and the cinema's going and looking at the whole audience laughing and getting all the in jokes it's just like it's finally happened (laughs) it's it's a very satisfying film i think yeah Uh, because yeah, like, when we like, were growing up, um, like, not that it's a bad thing, but really the best one we had was Batman and the first two Supermans. And, uh, you know, that which was Which were kind of hokey at times, yeah. Yeah, how, how dare you say that about Batman? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And now it's just like, well, take your pick, you know. You can have anything you want. I love it. <laughs> yes, it, it's, it's when the bubble bursts, um, which will be interesting. I don't know how many superhero films we can do before people go no more superhero yeah i'm over it (laughs) like i thought it might have happened by now but the build-up towards avengers it's been 15 years dave since uh yep yeah so wow yeah (laughs) keep going guys (laughs) we're enjoying it yeah i love it (laughs) obviously they're making money um but i mean anything that makes money can get a sequel they're making a sequel to ted you know that teddy bear movie yeah yeah, Ted 2. Look look for that next year. Well, I heard a statistic, 96% of movies in a certain year, only a few years ago, were either reboots or remakes or sequels. <laughs> yeah, so Hollywood's out of ideas. Well, either that or they've gone back into, you know, like uh, a friend of mine said, and we discussed this before, but any toy you can think of in the 80s, they're making a movie of. You know, so Battleships, which is a board game, um, you know... Uh, so many other things uh, i heard hungry, Ash- hungry hippo <laughs> <laughs> have they made a movie of that 
No, there's there's a there's a meme poster that's gone around saying. You know, this, oh, I this see. Be... Yeah, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Look, uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. We've both obviously really enjoyed it. I just um, want to say, um, I want to see a He Man uh, remake, and I reckon they could do wonders with it. But don't be hokey with it. I know you. One look at He Man, you think, oh, that looks, you know, pretty go. <laughs> no, you know, don't, don't mean to sound like that, but it does look like you know one of those eighties sadistic sort of sexual things. Um, kind of, I can kind of see it being like a Conan. Yeah, but if you take it really serious, like even I, I'm not a big fan of his, uh, the director of Superman, uh, Snyder, Snyder, yeah, yeah Zack uh, Snyder, Zack yeah. Snyder, uh, 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 like just something really with a serious tone. I think they could do wonders with it because the original Master of the Universe wasn't that bad with Dolph Lundgren. Like I didn't mind it, um, but just something really serious. Like they they could do really well with um, He Man, I think. And after that, I'd like to see a. Uh Super Ted, um, <laughs> Banana Man. <laughs> you know, you know, one that's probably going to happen is Captain Planet. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> or like Widget the World Watcher. Because <laughs> they've done chipmunks, you're right. They might as well do those ones. I mean, Captain Planet seems obvious, especially because of climate change and, <laughs> like, you know, heading that direction. And, and the enemy is both like it's got a message as well it's well they're green. redoing uh power rangers i think all that was in the in the same thing but they're they're going really serious with power rangers i think they're you know like they're they're gonna pull full put a full attention on it <laughs> yeah i i saw a thing online about where are they now the original power rangers yeah. and like one died in a car accident and um yeah it was interesting like uh you don't sort of when somebody's not in the focus in the media, you just, you know, you're not following their My career. My favourite was the Sandlot kids and Squid, Squints, I think. It just turned out to be this awful criminal guy, just this really awful person. The, so the real, the real guy who played him. Yeah, the real guy played him, like, now, like, all grown up. He's just a douche and a really awful person, apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just sort of breaking now kind of thing, but... Um, somebody from The Shield has been accused of killing his uh, wife. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think it's Jace, Michael Jace or something. Right. I don't know. I haven't seen The Shield like you've seen The Shield, yeah, so I'm I don't know. Yeah, I'm with The Shield, but that's, that's yeah. terrible news, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, these things happen. Um, Ferris Bueller um, actor Matthew Broderick, you know, like was involved in a hit and run that killed somebody. There's these things, they happen. People are not immune to, um, you know, crime. Phil Hartman fam- famously oh, shot by his wife. That was horrible, yeah. We are taking this podcast down with <laughs> negativity. We uh, we had such a positive hour. Yeah, we had such um, a positive hour. That turns out really quick. <laughs> such a shame. Um, look, one day Wolverine will be recast. That seems like the only way to go um, to get a younger guy who can do the next six or seven movies, you know. Uh, it'll become like a Bond type role where um, different people will have to take yeah. the helm and, and try and beat this original Bond uh original wolverine oh what a high bar what a high bar but this is it i mean you thought um jack nicholson was the best joker and then we got heath ledger you're you're absolutely right yeah we're not going to know till we get there but we are going to see better and worse versions of this Mm -hmm. you know um like we think right now that quicksilver that we just saw is the best quicksilver but avengers 2 is going to bring us aaron taylor johnson's quicksilver and he might be 10 times the quicksilver you know um, now he's the guy from Godzilla, the um, lead actor. Yep, Kickass. Yeah, Kickass. Yep. So he's playing Quicksilver. So so many franchise know. hogs. Jennifer Lawrence. How, how many has she got? She's got yeah, Hunger Games, this, and um, Sonic Girls. <laughs> I don't Hunger know Games, what it is. This and something else. I'm just trying to think what else she has. She, she definitely got Sonic. I can't think of. Well, she was in American Hustle. She was in yeah um silver linings playbook she's a david o russell oh no um, I'm, I'm thinking of somebody in iron man i thought she was in iron man she wasn't no. all right well this has been a whole bunch of movie hero talk um hopefully you guys have enjoyed it <laughs> there in listening land uh you can talk back to us on uh, facebook.com slash pod if you can we are looking for suggestions for our 100th episode this is episode 93 i believe so we are seven weeks away from the anniversary of 100 episodes, which is fantastic for us. But um, absolutely, 
looking for some uh, some thoughts you know um if you guys have questions maybe we can have a section in the 100th episode where we field some questions from you guys that would be a lot of fun um so facebook is the place to get in touch with us drop us a line and uh tell us which films and uh, what what we should cover in the 100th episode uh Look, next time on the podcast, I'm not sure what it's going to be, but um, if you're interested in the meantime, we've been doing a series of YouTube films um, on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash podme if you can, and they're all very obscure DVDs with uh, famous stars in them. So uh, films you might not have heard of, but that we've sourced, we've watched, and we've discussed. And uh, there's more and more episodes going up there all the time, so uh, if... It's been a little while between podcasts. That's a good place where you can find some pod me if you can. Uh, Lloyd, anything you want to plug? Or? No, that's it. Uh, thanks, guys, for for listening to our podcast. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel. We're working exhaustively on those reviews, but they're really fun to do. And Lloyd, of course, is uh, people don't know this, but he actually edits all the videos that go up on the YouTube channel. So, you know, thanks, Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> sure. I, I appreciate you yeah. doing that. It saves me the work. And, <laughs> yeah. um You guys can all go there and check out his handiwork. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, We'll talk to you next time for episode 94. And, uh, yeah, enjoy X-Men Days of Future Past if you haven't already. Definitely check that out, guys. Okay, thanks heaps. All the best. (laughs) 